Oh, yes, it is another Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth in person here at the KHO 11 studios. Jason Bristol, Jeremy Booth, side by side, man. We're here. We are here. You know, it's interesting. The Houston Astros just wrapped up their um, homestand. Yeah. And they did their player of the homestand, Jeremy. And the player of the homestand was this right here. It was Corey Jolks with an average of 231, three hits, one home run, one double. Ten out. The, this is nothing against Corey Jolks, by the way. No, but I just uh, the player of the homestand hit 231? Yeah. I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. How about Hunter Brown threw, didn't he? He was all right. Uh, Luis Garcia went seven innings with nine strikeouts so, and two hits So who's shutout. Who's picking the player? I don't know. Who did that? I'm curious. Was it? I, I, was it their scouting director? Did he did he pick him? Did he? I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that, and then I'm still going to say it. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, sensitive. I'm sorry. Player of the homestand. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We talk about We talk about scouting directors and the draft. I got thinking about this in the car the other day as I was coming into work. Because the system is depleted, and now that Jeremy, now Jeremy, that Dana Brown is, I almost said Jeremy Brown, thinking Moneyball, and Jeremy Booth well, and Dana Brown. Well, yeah. <laughs> Go on. With this upcoming draft and where the Astros are picking, and given the, the state of their farm system, yep. is it possible that they've pigeonholed themselves into having to take a college player, someone who can get to the big leagues quick, someone who can help at the big league level relatively soon, or at least sooner than a high school guy. Well, I, I don't think that um, I don't think that, that Dan is going to draft the same way that's been drafted before. I think we can, we can say that with some certainty. Um, it's clear that he's going to have a humongous influence on what they do in the draft room. So, you know, that's, that's also right there, another departure from past philosophy. Um, in this draft, it's a deep draft. It's a very deep draft. I don't know that they take a college player. I, don't, I would bet they do just based on the trends of the draft and where they're going to be picking, right? Um, they're picking in the back. I want to say they're picking – are they picking 30? Ish. Ish, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, they're in the back, so you don't know what's going to be there. Um, you can get creative. In the past, they've obviously cut deals and taken signability players and, um, you know, taking guys three rounds earlier than they should have. I mean, they've done a lot of different things that, uh, let's just say, have been unique for picking in the first round, hence the results we've got. Uh, I do think that Drew Gilbert was an excellent pick. He was one of their best picks in a while. Um, obviously, there's some history there with, with Drew and I, so I'm a little biased when it comes to it. Openly say it, but I do think he's going to produce and, and be a type of player the city can be proud of. And he's going to get here pretty quick. I don't think he's going to take too long. So um, he may be the guy that comes out of the system that gives you some a jolt. Not maybe not this year, but next year. But focusing just on now, there isn't a college player out there that's going to sign and get to the big leagues this year. It's not going to happen. So um, with the state of the system, it could be something to go with Drew. It could be some stuff that, that could help at the top. But they don't really have anything that's not in the, that's not here unless you count, you know, Corey Lee. And, and you have to count him because he's on the roster. But I think he's trade bait. 
I think he's trade bait. I think you don't you can't afford to trade Hunter Brown if he had a one ERA or a 19. I don't, I don't think you can do that. I think you got Forrest Whitley in the system who you never know really what you're going to get with him. So we have to wait and see. The stuff's all there. Whether it shows up or not, it's another story. So um, I, I don't know if it's a college player right now. I, it's likely based on the statistics of the draft, the way it's been going, but I don't know if that defines it. Brandon Finnegan, there's a name, 2014. Yeah. Remember, remember Brandon? Drafted in 2014, made the majors in 2014. Yeah, Brandon Finnegan was a starter at TCU, and the whole goal was he was going to be a reliever in the big leagues. Now, um, 2014, I had the West. I had the West, but I had a lot of time with Brandon before that. And funny, I put out one of the tweets about the pitch clock, and Brandon liked it. I, I caught it. Cause I was, I like, you know, <laughs> Isn't, it funny? Isn't it funny that I mention a guy, and then that guy has yeah. been in your life for the long yeah, time? Well, yeah, well there is a connection there, I guess. Is what I'm yeah, saying. you know, Brandon. Um, Brandon had had a good arm. It was it was a starter at TCU. Um, you know, Jim Jim Schlossnagel and the TCU coaching staff at the time ran their guys pretty hard. I'm not going to say anything about it now. I'm really not trying to disparage people when I say that. It's just a fact when it comes to history. But ran that guy pretty hard, and and uh, Brandon got to big leagues in Cincinnati. No, Kansas City. Kansas, Kansas City. City. And and got there that year and helped them. You know, in 14, I believe, got a ring in 15, didn't he? Uh, no, he was traded to the Cincinnati Reds. That's where you got Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay, so I knew he was in Cincinnati as well. Anyway, but um, it, it's possible. I don't know if there's a guy like that out there right now. It's possible. I mean, maybe LSU, Spencer Strider, but he's going to go way up the board. <laughs> yeah. So it's not going to be in a situation where the Astros can select him. The Astros are drafting 28th, by the way. Yes, in the back. Yeah. In the back. We're going to talk about it. I mean, we, we, we could. We, we, talk, we, okay. we could. So um, it was very interesting. Talk about this, right? Well, we got the whole thing is a lot of things to talk about. I was talking about the depth in the roster because I think we got to continue to go back to the depth in the roster. Now, Maurice Dubon's had a pretty good, pretty good stretch. You know, it's, it, it's, it's coming together a little bit. Um, Alvarez has done a great job coaching him. Alex Cintron deserves a pat on the back. The staff has been a good staff. No one said the staff hasn't been a good staff. Um, and they're doing a good job with some players. But, man. If they just get through this month at 500, they're going to get better because the players that are going to be inserted back in the lineup are going to be better. Now, here's your depth concern, and here's how you can solve your problems. Okay? Because they have problems. Everybody's talked about it. Everybody's written about it. Now, your crew over here was talking about it all offseason. Let's just get that out there now. And while we're talking about roster construction and, and Dusty wants to say, I had nothing to do with it, I needed a GM, stop it, okay? You're in a situation where there's been some roster mismanagement. You've got a, a, a Salazar pinch hitting from Maldonado instead of the guy you have on the roster in Diaz. That was a point that was brought to me. It's not my point. I'm going to say Jason brought it up to me and mentioned it. Um, it's something that um, – you know, you're talking about adjusting to the pace of the game. You're talking about the pitching. If the pitching's really got to carry you, how good it is, because you're still playing with. I said this before. It's not a slight. They're big league players. David Hensley and Dubon in the middle. And as much success as Dubon is having right now, um, I don't think anybody expects that to carry. Right? It's not really going to carry forever. Uh, Jeremy Payne has a sophomore year in front of him. We talked about this before, and I said this a year ago. And I know Daniel Gotera is, the, you know, he's a prophet. There's, there's apparently two prophets <laughs> Wait, here. Wait, what? Yeah, but Daniel Gotera said Jeremy Pena was going to be like the best player ever to wear the uniform last year, and he was right. I mean, he had a great year, but nobody else in baseball had Pena doing that. And now this year he has an adjustment. 
This year's going to tell you what he's going to be, as good as last year was. It's going to be an adjustment. I don't care if he hits 400 last year. I don't care if he hits 100 last year. It's always your second year. So if you're looking at how this roster comes together, with any injury risks, Dubon, at least for now, is somebody that can help you, help you defensively, help you offensively. If Hensley's in a role that he plays here and there, and Altuve gets back, you may have solved your depth problem in the middle. Maybe. It doesn't mean you're done for sure. It doesn't mean it's all set, but you might have been okay. And boy, oh boy, is that a, is that a gift. Now, you still have a depth problem on the mound. Okay? You have a health problem with Brantley, who's, yes, I know next week he's starting to play again. You have uh, Abreu, who's a slow starter in April and, and who's a, a hitter um, that has had consistently higher power numbers in a, in a not-as-friendly hitting environment. So you'd expect him to have more numbers here than he has now. Um, but what you've really got to deal with is, is, is the rest on Bregman's legs, the rest on Altuve, his timing when he comes back, because you know, he's swinging at everything he can. you got Alvarez, who... Uh, consistently has time in and out of lineup, and you've got Brantley who's going to have issues. It's just the way it's going to be. You have to get some production, which means your pitching has to carry you. Okay, I'm not sold that Michael Brantley is the answer. Everyone is saying, "Oh, wait till Michael Brantley comes back. Wait till Michael Brantley comes back." He's he's 36. Yeah, coming off another shoulder operation. The guys I know that have had shoulder operations, uh, it has. Yeah, they've come back, but sometimes the power just isn't there anymore. And I know he's not a power hitter, Jeremy, but, man, to, to, to think – like, Altuve, I get it. Like, Altuve comes back, things can be better. But I, we haven't seen Michael Brantley play. It will be probably coming up on a year since he last played meaningful games. Yeah, no, it's going to take a minute. You know, a funny thing, Brantley's been around so long that the East Coast cross-checker when he was drafted for the Milwaukee Brewers was one young Bobby Heck. Mm. Okay, I don't know if you've heard me mention that name before from time to time. Astros can't get away from it. They try. They can't get away from his impact on their organization. Um, but, no, I, I agree. I think he's going to take some time. He's going to have to get some rhythm back. He's going to have to figure out how to play. You know, McCormick is out right yep. now, and, and that's, a, that's a big loss. It's a bigger loss than I thought, but especially with the club the way he put it together, it's a, it's a big deal. Nothing against Jake Myers. I know he's hit a ball harder the other day, but it's, it's not it's, – it, McCormick's the center fielder, and he's earned that spot. And if I was him, would have been livid to start the year, which we talked about on this show, yeah. um, to not be in it. Now, here's your death problem. McCullers is going to come back at some point. Saw him throwing the other day. Okay. Not on the mound. Yeah, it's, it's going to take a minute, okay? And we're already – Three weeks through April. So let's just say it's into May before he's back, which is about right. We say June, okay? That means he's once again, again condensed to June, July, August, September. It's a four-month season. If he throws 20 innings a year or 20 innings a month, he's at 80 innings, which is about what he should be, okay? You put him in the bullpen and you leave him there. I'm sorry. What are you going to do? You need some protection for Hunter, Hunter Brown because that's the same thing with him, first year or second year. doesn't matter if he had a 90 ERA. Or a one. It doesn't matter. He's got to go out and get innings and pitch at this level and adjust. That's the rule of the big leagues. Okay? He's got big stuff. No one said he does. No one said, ever said he hasn't. But relying on him as your guy with McCullers as your other guy in your five spot is a problem. Especially when you're thinking McCullers is going to be your three. Which anybody who in that organization said McCullers is your three, I want you to turn in your card. He's not your three. Turn in your big league card and say, I made a mistake. You want to put him in the five and take the pressure off him. Jason and I did the math, and I can't remember the show that we did it on. It was in December, 120 innings a year, max. How is that your three? Anybody? Does, can anybody tell me that's your three? And I'm not, I'm not beating him up on, on the presence and the stuff and who he is and the energy. 
He's just not a starter, and he's never been a starter. Just because he goes out there as a starting pitcher doesn't make him a starter. That's like saying just because um, uh, 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 Abreu's hitting third, he's going to hit 40, whatever the heck he's hitting. That's not the point. Payne is a defender. He executes Get it together. Lance McCullough's role is to come out with, with – he can handle high-stress innings. Mentally, he's got that. His idea is to go out there, throw breaking balls in warm weather, preferably in Minute Maid, and go carve guys out, flip some stuff up there, and move on. One time through the lineup. Thank you, Lance. Appreciate you. He's going to come back. You have to do that here. I'm moving on now. I'm wondering if Mauricio Dubon, because of how he's hitting, when Altuve comes back, I wonder if you then put him in center, you move Chaz to left when Brantley's not playing there or Jordan's not playing there, mostly Jordan. My guess is we'll see some of those lineups, a lineup constructed like that. But Dubon, in the athletic, Chandler Rome mentioned about how he has really um, talked approach with Jordan Alvarez about driving the baseball and a whole bunch of stuff. But he's over his skis right now. Dubon? Yeah. Yeah, he's playing way better than he is. And um, there, there is something to mentorship, being on a big league club with, with what's there and being in an organization, being around veteran guys. I mean, everybody's had it. Um, I remember I played for a, a little bit with Matt Noakes one year. Matt Noakes? And Matt Noakes had so much knowledge on seeing the baseball. Ozzie Canseco on seeing the baseball and how to adjust and how to play the game and how to, how to work through it. And, um, you know, Jose Offerman one year, he was nuts. But, I mean, it was just, you know, you play with these guys. Was that the year where he attacked somebody with the bat? Year or... before. Wait, he came back after that? Well, you know what? Maybe it was the same year. Cause, but it had to have been. Because I, never... I don't think you come back from that. Well, I no, I think he... Well, that was in the, was it in that Winter League? Now I got to no, look no, it No, no, it, it was the Atlantic League. It was, okay. We were in Bridgeport. And he, I was, uh, I think it was in Atlantic City when he did it. Okay. So I want to say it was the next year. Or it might have been, anyway, it was, it was either 2003 or 2004, but... You know, Offie was crazy, certifiable, nice guy. He's, he was crazy. Anyway, allegedly, n- no, he was nuts. I mean, it was it was it was bananas. I mean, I'm not clinically diagnosed. 2007. Okay, 2007. so yeah, so it was years later. So I was in uh, I was in uh, I was in coaching in 07. But I remember in in six I had finished up. He was still in Bridgeport. In six I was in uh, Newark, and it was Long Island and Bridgeport. Yeah, see, it was in Bridgeport. And after John, he, John Nathan's was yep, the catcher, the catcher yep. and I know John pretty well, and John's John's a good dude. And, um, Got a million, almost a million dollars, John, in damages yeah, from the yeah. league, right, or from him? Uh, it says from Offerman. Yeah, John John's a good guy. I talked to him quite some. He was a good dude. He was one of those guys like, man, you? That's the guy that got whacked, you know. But anyway, sorry. Um, back to back to this. Those those big league presence guys, especially a guy like Alvarez, who can slow the game down so well in the box. Um, is going to help a player like like Dubon. They still miss a guy like Alemis Diaz. Mm-hmm. They really miss that. And whoever the GM was at the time, man, you really should have signed him. And you know, you turn around, you got but maybe he wanted to play every day. Maybe he wanted to play every day. But he and could it have played every day, just maybe not one same place. Yeah, but he's he's been here, done that, and there's clearly not a spot for him every day here. Mm, there's not a spot. There wasn't him. a spot for him every day last year. Di- it's basically the same. Cl- it's a different year. But it's basically the same roster. Michael it, Brantley was out. He didn't get everyday work. That's on the manager. Okay. I'm just I, saying. I'm not beating. I, I'm no, not, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's – it's basically – the lineup is basically the same thing, and he wasn't an everyday yeah, player. Yeah, I, I, I don't argue that at all. I think that's that's very um, fair to say. I just think this club really misses him. And I think that um, 
if everybody here is playing every day and they're not missing a beat, then yeah, there's no place to play him. But if you find a way to put him in the lineup five days a week, and you give Altuve a day, and you give um, uh, Brantley a day, and you give uh, Bregman a day, and you just start giving guys different days, um, you know, if something goes down, you got somebody that's fresh. I, I don't. I think it was a good sign. I think it was Luno that brought him in, right? Wasn't Luno that brought Diaz in? That was a good sign by by Luno and, and company. And by the way, they, that's where they did really did a good job. By the way, was the big league level. Like, no one's ever said that their stuff wasn't great at the big league level. It was really good. They augmented what they had. They understood, with the exception of a couple of players like a JD Martinez and some guys like that. For the most part, they knew what they had. They got a pretty good job of evaluating their guys from a pro angle, not the amateur angle, but the pro side, and be able to flow with that. So. Um, you know, looking back on it objectively, he's a guy they, they should have had. Christian Vasquez would have helped him. That's a miss. Um, you know, but they let some pieces go, and they're struggling with some depth. That said, they can still get through it if they use their roster properly. That's here. McCullers of the bullpen. Sorry. How do we feel about the A's purchasing land in Las Vegas for a new ballpark? Um, because you're a California guy. West Coast. West Coast. I mean, now you're a Houston guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still but West Coast. A lot of the guys that you emulated, idolized. How about I grew up in that clubhouse? That's what I'm trying to. Am I trying to get to that? Yeah. Okay. So when I was a kid, here's here's a fun fact, fun story, and um, some of you guys, some of the people out there don't know, some people do. Is I grew up in major league clubhouses, and this story I don't tell very often because people have a tendency to get a little hurt. All right, but the truth is, and Jason knows, I grew up in major league clubhouses. I grew up around guys like Dave Stewart and Ricky Henderson, and Eric Davis, and Daryl Strawberry, and Chris Brown, and Daryl Brown, and Wayne Gross, and Rob Peachelow. Daryl Brown? Yeah. Who's Daryl Brown? Daryl Brown? Played uh, center fielder in Minnesota before Kirby Puckett. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm Larkin. D-A- D-A-R-R-E-L-L, right? Yes, yes, okay. yeah. So, I, I mean, I grew up in, in, in the clubhouses, and so when I'm a kid, I mean, I'm talking about a young kid. Uh, Ron Washington, clearly. Gary Pettis here, right? Um, I grew up in, in – in, my dad was in law school when I was a young kid in Oakland. He was in Hastings Law, San Francisco. And some of his clients were the late departed Tony Phillips. Um, that was a tough one for me, by the way, because Tony was, and I was so close. He helped me work with Ricky a lot, um, worked with Stu a lot. But what Tony used to do is take me to the clubhouse. And so Tony would pick me up. I'm like five years old. And he'd pick me up, and he takes me in the clubhouse. And um, you know, all those guys were like my uncles. I used to sit in that old – Players Lounge, just hang out. I'd go out in the field during BP. Tony would take me out there. I'd shag. It's the same Coliseum. People don't know that story because I don't tell it. I, I keep that part of my life quiet. With some of the things that are happening for me now, with in my life, I'm happy to tell the story. But as a matter of fact, Eric Davis last year at the All Star game, I told you this. Eric comes up to me and says, "Man, you owe me some money." <laughs> and I said, "Why?" And, and Edie says, "Because you ain't telling the story about the program enough." Okay, so um, we will do it. We'll, I'll tell that story. A different time. Point is that clubhouse I grew up in. I grew up on that in that in that yep. ballpark. I grew up with that team. Um, and then you you learn the game on this other side, and place stops having the same type of memories for you. Um, what's happened in Oakland? It, I mean, even down to the point that we still want to talk about rooted in Oakland. I've never worn that uniform at any level, as far as they're concerned. I've never, um, you know, I, I never was a scout for that club. Um, but I can tell you that their general manager and I are the same age and grew up next to each other, like played high school baseball against each other. I've known David a long time, David Forrest. Um, I can say this. It is sad what has happened in Oakland with the fans. It is sad what's happened in Oakland with 
the budget they're forced to play with, but that goes with the fans. Okay, now, and it's sad that the city doesn't want them there. The city of Oakland has said we don't want any. They lost the Warriors. Well, that's not true, Jeremy, because the city of Oakland had been negotiating, and in fact, the city yesterday said um, we had been working on a on a stadium and a project in the entertainment an entertainment project in the Fremont district. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. So to say they're not working with them, I, I don't know. I think that's a gross mischaracterization. I think that they've been working with them, but probably not to the speed and the amount of money um, that Oakland and Major League Baseball would like. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this with, with you know, as direct as, as understanding this, this situation the way that I do. The city has run out the Warriors, who used to be in the, across the parking lot from the Coliseum. They've run out the Raiders, who played in the Coliseum, right? And now they've run out the A's. Doesn't matter what you say you're talking about. That to me is posturing because now the entire city of Oakland has lost all three of their teams. They had three teams just a short while ago, and now they've got zero. Now the Warriors stayed up there and they went over to San Francisco, right? The Raiders took themselves to Vegas, and now the A's are going to follow. The A's are looking for a stadium that is, um, and, a, and a capital infusion, by the way, from fans coming to a ballpark they want to be at that allows them to be competitive beyond the dollar level that they play at. To be clear, the Oakland A's have more money than they've spent. I think they're a big league team, and that's that, okay? But if you look at the books, these big league teams, for people out there that say they have all this extra money, what clubs really do is they make money in the equity, right? Jim Crane is probably one of the only owners that runs this in the black. That I can tell you. Don't ask me how I have that info, but he's probably one of the only owners that runs it in the black. Most of these owners are running right to even or maybe a little underneath, okay? And they're doing it because of all the bills that they pay. I've seen it. Trust me on this one. I've seen it. Steve Cohen? Uh, Cohen loses a ton of money, but he has the other things that he does and doesn't care. Okay. okay? So when you put uh, this, the Mets are like like um, what you and me would go buy buy a, a Jack in the Box. I got you. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go get like a number seven. That's the Mets to Cohen. Okay. So what I'm saying is 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 when you put all that together, um, Crane does a good job here of running a business that's profitable with the Astros. He came in at the right time with the cupboard left full, as, as, as I've said and Evan Drell, we've said, and Evan Drellich put in his book of really good players at Luno, maximized that run. It's been a golden era. It's the truth, okay? So he, he's been the, the uh, owner for all that time, so he's made some money. Um, but the teams are in the equity. The Oakland A's are worth more than they were yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. They just don't have the liquid capital to spend without losing a, bun- losing a bunch on top of it now. It is absolutely a huge problem for me to see the Oakland A's in Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's also a huge problem for me growing up a Raider fan because um, my early years is with the Raiders, they were in L.A., right? Marcus Allen, Marcus Allen. And, and even Bo Jackson. Yep. Jim in, Plunkett. That's right, in, L, in L.A., um, Tim Brown, you know, in L.A., watching those guys up and close with uh, family members sitting at the, about the 50-yard line. It was really an interesting thing back then. So watching this stuff happen in sports is sad for it. Um, Northern California, I will say this, has gigantic issues that are far bigger than sports that they got to get together. That's just a fact. And and so when it comes to to getting all that stuff together, um, losing the teams doesn't help. And and for the area up there, I feel, I'm very sad and, and sorry for the uh, communities losing that team. For me, it's a piece of my past. Statement from the uh, Oakland mayor released uh, the night of the announcement. 
blah, blah, blah. The city has gone above and beyond in our attempts to arrive at mutually beneficial terms to keep the A's in Oakland. In the last three months, we've made significant strides to close the deal, yet it is clear to me that the A's have no intention of staying in Oakland and have simply been using the process to try to extract a better deal out of Las Vegas. I'm not con- interested in continuing to play that game. The fans and our residents deserve better. Posturing. I, yeah. I, posturing. I, I'm so, you know, that that city in particular. $375 million in new in, infrastructure develop, investment will come uh, that will benefit Oakland and its port for generations to come. That was uh, the deal. But that's what she wanted to do. Yeah. she wa- it, It's still her, right? She, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She wanted to get rid of the teams and use that money for something else away from the sports. Um, I, I, I'm not going to get political on it, but I am going to tell you that that had a lot to do with it as uh, people away from Major League Baseball and professional sports teams. Now, uh, publicly funded stadiums usually don't go well for the city. Okay, that's okay. I mean, that's that's fine. Um, but if you want a team that brings all the other impact away from that, you have to contribute something. Those stadiums are gigantic. They make a ton of money um, as a whole. Um, and what the team is doing is 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 finding ways to um, it's finding ways to employ. It's finding ways to to. To, to, to subsidize businesses around the stadium, right, to bring people in as tourism. So, you know, you, you lose all that. And, and I think the Oakland mayor has grossly miscalculated that anybody up there believes, based on the state of, of Oakland at this moment in time, anybody up there believes that they really put good faith effort. Another interesting thing which just happened today, the Diamondbacks, they have DFA'd Madison Bumgarner, which I – I'm not saying it's over for Madison Bumgarner, but given what we know about pitching and given what we know about how Brent Strom manages pitching, if Brent Strom can't make Madison Bumgarner right or make him better or as close to good as possible, I do not have a lot of confidence that Madison Bumgarner is going to be back in the big leagues. Certainly, I'm guessing someone would Give him a shot, but if if Brent Strom can't quote unquote fix Madison Bumgarner, I, I it doesn't look very good for Madison Bumgarner. That's just that's just what I see. My gut reaction, my instant reaction, having just seen the news. Um, I'm surprised it took this long for him to be DFA'd. Okay, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of the contract, and you know nothing. Against, Five years, eighty five million. Yeah, I mean he look. He's consummate competitor. That's not quite Rafael Montero money. No, it's not. It's not. But consummate competitor, um, winning player, champion. Um, it, the sun is set a little bit, and it, it's okay. I mean, he's had a long career. He had a good career. Made a lot of money. Um, yeah. I mean, this contract was was too long. Um, there's what two years left on it. Twenty three and twenty four. Sounds about right. Yeah. So he's got. So I mean, you know, they're eating a little bit of cash, and somebody's going to go get it. But, um, you know, it's it's not um, it's not a 2019. So a five year deal. 19, 20, 21. 2019. So joining a D backs team that expected to contend in 2020. So 20, he joined 20, 21, in okay, okay, 23. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So he's got <clears throat> he's got this year and next year. I didn't mean to. Um, it's okay. Jump in there. Twenty three and twenty four, right? Yeah, yeah. It's overdue, you know. And the D backs are in a place where they're getting they're getting younger and they're getting better. Um, 
you know, some of the draft picks they've had have arrived in the big leagues and they're, they're playing well. So it's not, you know, it's not necessarily something that fits with their organization right now. It makes sense to me. Um, he will catch on somewhere else. It might be here. Okay, for seven hundred twenty thousand dollars, that type of resume with McCullers still out, not knowing what you're going to get, that's not a bad sign to bring to Houston. Um, you know, it's not going to go Oakland. It's certainly not going back to San Francisco, but it could definitely be something that stays on this side of the uh, of this half of the United States. I can see him pitching in Houston uh, in this in the back of this rotation is depth. Wow. Yeah, I'm not saying he's taking anybody's spot right now. But I think relying on Lance McCullers is a problem. I've been saying this before, and he's proven it every single year. He's always hurt. There's way what, one year when he was healthy. Minute Maid is such a hitter's park. I would think that 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 would not be a good place for Madison Bumgarner. Not a good place for anybody to pitch in this ballpark. But it does mention here, actually, as I scroll through the article, it says that prior to 2022. Hired pitching coach Brent Strom, widely viewed as one of the best in the business. Strom seemed to click initially with Bumgarner, who said that Strom was one of the few baseball people he had met who was able to merge the old-school feel with new-school analytics. This is something that all Astros fans know. Pairing uh, got off to a promising start in 2022. Bumgarner finishing April with a 1.17 ERA, but then it steadily rose from there, and um, this year... No good start, roughed up by the Dodgers in his first outing. Afterwards, he complained of arm fatigue and was sent for an MRI, which showed no issues. Got a few extra days of rest, but did not miss a start. It's over. I mean, you know, it's, it's not – he's not a guy to count on anymore in a rotation, at least today. Um, some guys can have a rebirth for a year or two. It, it depends. I mean, I don't think he's that guy. I think the way he does it is a little different. I don't think it's as fluid. It never really has been. It's always been just pure athleticism and, and, and tools. So um, he's able to – he's a smart guy, smart pitcher. And, again, the, comp- the competitor fits right here. Um, I can see him here. I really can. I can see wow. him here. But I see him as a depth option. And if he's – you know, it depends on, on what that looks like from a contract standpoint as far as where do you put him, what do you do with him. You know, uh, Dallas Keuchel came – did Dallas Keuchel come back here? He was in, he was in Chicago, right? I can't remember. Did Keuchel come back to Houston? He didn't. I don't think he did. No, he was in Chicago, Texas. That's where he went. And, you know, same type of thing. Bounces around a little bit. Left-hander has a job. Turns the ball over, gets some outs. But, um, you know, the days of counting a bum gardener is over, and it's, it's time to move on. All right. Well, for those of you, obviously, Jeremy's in studio here. Um, working with a new camera, I think having seen all this, I think I may move it over there. All right. So, for all of you, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, Also, as we get ready to close this episode of the Extra Bases podcast, this was a monumental day in not just our relationship, but your relationship with KHOU. Was it really? I think it was. And in fact, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have even brought this up had I not accidentally stumbled upon it. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So Jeremy got mail here today. Look at this. This is his name on it and everything. Look at that. (laughs) Um, occasionally businesses, schools, you name it, they will, uh, send us stuff to get the word out about something. And, uh, this is from, well, you know, why don't you open it? All right. So this is, um, from San Jacinto, San Jacinto college, the Ravens. And, uh, the now East- it's interesting. They, 
Sorry. I'm stealing your Go ahead. moment. They used to be the Gators. Well, they've been the Gators. So the school, it's really weird. Like some of the athletic programs have been the Gators, namely the baseball. Right. And then other ones have been the Ravens, like the old basketball program that produced Walter Berry. That's, yeah. a, that's a name from the past. But um, I'm guessing they're just going Ravens now because I've noticed on Sanjak's baseball Twitter it's now Ravens. And everybody out there who listens knows all about Sanjak and baseball. So. Yeah, and Corey Kohler and, and Tom Arrington and, and, and the whole the whole crew over there for a long period of time. Yeah, they're not very good. Yeah, no, <laughs> they've been good friends. They've been good friends to me and very big supporters. And um, you know, it's nice that they sent this over. So well, it wasn't them. They had nothing to do with well, it. Well, but still, you. still, you know. So this was their public relations department. Yeah, well, their PR so it came out so with much. A, a thing. Or, yeah, you know, it's a, the new mascot on the twenty fifth. Yeah. yeah, we got some. Uh-huh. Got a pom pom here. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. use that later. That's good. Yeah. Uh, some raven feathers, <laughs> I believe, what we have here. That's, yep. uh, that's yep. good. Um, we've got a cookie. Cookie. Cookies. Be that's gonna, in about that, one minute. I get in the car. Um, have, I have my honey stinger on the way here. That's phenomenal. In case you what? My honey stinger. You haven't heard about honey stinger? No. Honey stinger is this nutritional supplement in all the clubhouses now. Um, the the dietitian for the. Uh, for the series, who's now also who's also dietitian for the Lakers and the Angels, New Rec- Balance Future Star Series recommended it, mm-hmm. and of course, Honey Stinger and Allison Mauer. They are a partner. They are a partner. Shameless product and Luke Cherry, um, you know, secured your, your boy over here in the series, and so I have my Honey Stinger on the way here. Um, you didn't I, spill it on your New Balance no, sweatshirt. Not on I this. Noticed. No, this oh. this is clean. I don't know if you saw that. You know, here I'll tell you. Show something. This else. looks good, man. You yeah, look shoes. good today, dude. Shoes. How about that? Can you see the shoes on? Yeah, here? those are nice. Yeah, you like these? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're bigger than the average bear, but yeah. they're nice. They're, you yeah. Know, they have a gold outline, and you know, I'm just I, I'm not actually allowed to wear anything else. You know, that's why I was. It was funny opening night. Bregman's wearing New Balance shoes. I was like, uh huh. <laughs> so in, in any event, anyway, I have my, anyway, yeah. had my honey stinger. Okay. So when I get in the car, I'll have my Raven cookie. Yeah. Got um, a T-shirt. We got a T-shirt coming. What size is it? Uh, it's it's size not gonna fit. <laughs> it's, but it's a nice I don't shirt. know, dude. It's pretty big, yeah, man. It's that's a, pretty big. Oops, probably sorry. sleeping. It's an X. X XL. Yeah, that's pretty so big. It's nice San Jack Raven. So we got that. I didn't mean to hit you in the chin. It's all right. We got some, some tinsel. Some tinsel. Yeah, we got another some egg gum and and, and a button. And oh beef. no no Mardi Gras Mardi, Mardi, Mardi Gras, Gras beads. Yeah. yeah. So we have a we have a winning thing here with San Jack Raven. I I got this. Matt Musil got this. Daniel Gotera got this. A lot of our anchors and reporters. Um, so, does so, that mean I'm official? So I basically, it's it's like, hey, um, we're having an announcement. So, yeah, that's what they sent over. I'm a, it means I'm an official KHOU member after all this time? Come on, man. Okay, You've been. You've been. We've done some pretty interesting things. I wonder if we're going to continue our uh, postseason run this year. I think there's a postseason run. How How long it is? Although, you know, a lot of people are saying that this series with the Jays and how it felt that it had a playoff intensity, and it certainly did when you look at the Jays roster, uh, they played pretty well. I mean, they took two of three, and oh, maybe this will right the ship because the ship has been has been kind of sp- – I don't want to say it's rudderless because it's not, but Dusty has been mentioning over and over and over, we need to get to 500, we need to get to 500, and – they are right at the doorstep, one game behind or below 500, and then they lose, and then they can't get to 500 again. So. Um, do you know but any... you felt how, how – I'm sorry. You felt they needed to play what percentage, winning 500 percentage? 500 baseball. 
Oh, I thought you had a little no, higher than that. We talked the other day. It's 500 in April. Okay. 550 in May. Ah, that was. And by that time, they should be in mid, you know, in the swing, and they can run the table from June, July, August, September. They're going to have another time in there where the, the players aren't going to hit well. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where two months a year, guys are going to hit 220. It's the way it works. And two months a year, they're going to hit 350. It's what they do the other two months in there that matters. Same thing with pitching. Right, they're they're human beings and they're players. And it's incredibly hard to do. It's not going to go out and be be 100 percent every night. But um, when you don't have the depth to pick up for that, that's when it gets exposed. And if they manage their roster right, and I swear, the next time I hear one of them say, "I didn't have a GM," I'm going to ask the question. Okay, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You guys are making decisions. Jeff Bagwell said um, we're in a good place right now. You know, I mean, obviously, I was acutely aware of the process. You made no one's criticizing you for making the decisions that you made. you That was your process. If Dana Brown was your guy, you could have got him in November. Okay? If Bobby Evans was your guy, you could have got him in November. If anybody else, but you waited until the end of January because you wanted to do the big league team. Okay. Just roll with that. Embrace it and own it because it's not Dana's fault, and I'll be there saying every single day if you pin that on Dana, it ain't Dana's fault. You guys did this team. Wear it. Put it together. Try to make, let Dana figure it out from here, and go use your roster properly. You do that, no one has a problem. Jeremy saving the promotional clip at the very end, about thirty-five minutes. This is that's that that will be showing up on Twitter. Is that the and, one? Yeah, I think that's the one. Not the Honey Stinger one. <laughs> How about the New Balance shoe? No, no, okay, no. All right, everybody. I think next time I might move the camera over, but uh, when we're done taping this, I'll work on that. Uh, any questions, comments, feedback? You know where to leave it. Let us know. You can always send it here in the mailroom. <laughs> That's true. Do that. Just care of Jeremy Booth. Yeah. It'll get to him. Guess what? His mail runner will find it and will give it to him. Guess who that? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that's going to do it for the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, till next time, we'll talk to you on Extra Basics.